Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Mark, and uh, this is E3, and we are continuing our journey uh, that we actually started uh, several months ago and looking at the whole story of God, looking at the gospel. And uh, during this journey, uh, I created a, a, a gospel chart, basically, to, to help us uh, just kind of conceptualize how big the story of God is, how big the good news is, and how it impacts our lives. One thing that, that I've realized through lots of conversations is that, that we don't have a very good grip on, on the gospel, and we don't have a very good grip on where we are in the story of God. So we began uh, a journey with uh, Unresolved where uh, we looked at the story of Israel and, and saw how the life of Christ um, connected with the story of Israel. Um, the other symbols are the atonement, the resurrection, the church, and infinite love. And how the story is playing out is that uh, the story of Israel informs us of the life of Christ and the, the whole life of Christ, talking about his death, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And the life of Christ uh, commissions the church. And that's where we are right now is in the church age and uh, waiting for the second coming of Christ. And what we have is when Christ returns, that that will complete the sea in Christ will complete the church and bring God's kingdom here on earth. And we will experience infinite love, God's kingdom, which will in turn complete the story of Israel. And as we, as we go through this and as we're, we're looking at the, uh, the, the whole gospel story, that, that we saw that when we were looking at unresolved, how, how all of these things, all of the promises of God, all the unresolved promises came to fruition in Christ and will come to fruition in Christ. And what we're doing with this Unleashed series is looking at the church, looking at, at the point of, of Christ's ascension and looking at the commissioning of the church. And today is really, really cool because it, it will talk, we'll talk about the beginning of what we're all doing here today. Today we're going to look at the first day of the birth of the church, something that has impacted every single one of us here. And my hope is that, that we will be able to see where we are in God's story and hopefully unleash the Holy Spirit to be able to, to really experience and, and participate in our place in that story. Now, I know that, that when churches start talking about the Holy Spirit, people get nervous. In fact, I hear a lot of people, you know, it's like, I, I fear and respect God. I, I follow Jesus, but I kind of watch out for that Holy Spirit character. You know, I'm like, like you know, I, I don't want to like go crazy and, and, and be filled with the Spirit and all that. And, and what my hope is, is I, I don't want to demystify the Spirit because the mystery of God is a beautiful thing. But what I do want to do is hopefully 
allow us to open the door of what living in the power of the resurrected Christ and, and, and allowing that power that raised Christ from the dead that indwells in us, what that would look like if, if we allow our lives to be powered by the Spirit and not powered by our preconceived notions of what life should be. So if you open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, Jesus has been cruising around for about 40 days uh, after his resurrection, meeting with different folks, you know, talking to them, you know, they'd be sitting there eating, and like he'd show up, he'd be like, hey, they're like, it's Jesus, and, and like, that's crazy, I thought you died, yeah, no, yeah, I did, but, you know, I rose again, and now I'm here for dinner. Okay, cool, you know, have a, have a seat, and things like that. You laugh, that's like he was doing, you know, he's like connecting with people and things like that, and that's exactly what's happening here in verse 4. Once he, when he, he being Jesus, was eating with them, he commanded them, and this is his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until. So he's giving a directive here, right? He's like, you guys, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem until this happens. The Father sends you a gift, the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's kind of an interesting moment. You're sitting there and eating with Jesus and going like, whoa, you know, what is this baptism with the Holy Spirit? Again, because they were all familiar with the story of Israel, they knew that the Spirit came upon people and gave them power and and did amazing things. But like, wow, I'm going to be immersed, which that's what baptism means, immersed into, you know, this power. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept on asking them, him. Check out this question they kept asking him. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? They're asking them a, a question that is firmly based in the story of Israel. See, all these unresolved promises was that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to establish his kingdom here on earth. That's what the Jews were looking forward to. That's when Christ came in in the triumphant entry that they thought that the Roman Empire was going to be overthrown. And they're asking Jesus, Jesus, this is awesome that you fulfilled, you know, all these prophecies that you lived and did all these miracles. You died for our sins. You rose again. Is it time now for God's kingdom to to be here? Are you establishing your kingdom? And this is what Jesus says. The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. Wah, wah, you know, right? And, uh, but then he, he adds this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Basically, Jesus is geographically going out by concentric circles until the whole world is covered, this commissioning 
Remember, uh, we finished up uh, Easter with, with Jesus saying, hey, I want you to go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them all of the commands. And he's reiterating this command, but he's like, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem until the power, the counselor, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And Peter talks about, about this, about, about trying to do things in your own power, do, you know, trying to, to build God's kingdom in your own power. And, and Christ and Peter, and Peter uh, throughout Scripture is saying, look, you cannot do this in, God's, in your own power, that you need the super power, supernatural power of God in your life to accomplish this task. In 1 Peter 4.11, and when we went through our Peter series, you may remember this, do it all, the commissioning and doing God's work, with all the strength and energy that God supplies, not that you supply, but that God supplies, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Christ Jesus. So here we have the, the stage is set, and then, and then at this point, uh, after saying all this, that Christ was taken up into a cloud, like up into heaven. And I love this part of Scripture. Like, I just, I, I kind of like, when I read Scripture, I see pictures in my head. And I don't know if you're like that too. Like, some, sometimes when you read stories and stuff, it's just like words, and it's just blah, 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 blah. But when I, Scripture comes alive for me, and in my mind's eye, I'm like almost experiencing it along with them. And I kind of picture myself there with the disciples, you know, watching this happen. And, and after all this cool stuff, you know, that, about being, you know, baptized by the Holy Spirit and, and commissioning and all this, Christ starts to arise up in a cloud. And I just kind of like wonder what that must have been like. And then, and then it says this, that they, while they were watching and they could no longer see him as they strained to see him rising into heaven. And so I have this picture of like the disciples, you know, Peter and James and John standing there, you know, looking, looking. And like, to me, like, hey, John, you see him? No, but I'm nearsighted. I don't really see much. James, how about you? Yeah, no, I, I don't know. Maybe. No, it's a bird. <laughs> and like, I, can, I just imagine Peter, oh, I see him. I see him. It's like, no, you don't. You're just making things up, Peter. You know, you're saying words, you know, be quiet, you know, all this. So, so they're all sitting there, you know, looking. And then these two guys suddenly appear in white robes. I just want to tell you something as a pastor. Two guys show up in white robes, something cool is going to happen. You know, I mean, there's something's going on, right? And what do they do? They, they're like, I can just see them kind of like walk up and like, what are you looking at? And they say, look, frozen chosen, why are you standing here staring into heaven? It's a question, but they don't really want an answer. It's kind of like when you're talking to your kids. <laughs> Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return the same way that he left. 
So here we have again this, this connection. But we're right here in the church age. So Christ is, has, has gone. That he's, they, the, the men uh, in the white robe said, look, he's going to come back. But you guys, you're here right now. And he said to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And then on the day of Pentecost, this is the first day of the church. What we're all doing, this is day one. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. I mean, just think about that. You think, we think about the church all over the world, right? They could all meet in one place. They were all like hanging out and like, yep, there's Bob and Susie and everything. I don't know. Like in my mind, they all have name tags on, but I'm not sure if that's right. You know, maybe that's just a later church invention, right? That everybody has their name tags. But, but so they're sitting there and they're, you know, they're all in one place. I just think that's amazing. And then suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house. They were in a house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues, they were flames, tongues, I don't know, of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. Very, very strange. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So they're sitting there and they're all in this house, all the believers in one place, and this windstorm comes and these, these tongues or, or fire or, or something comes, you know, ascending on them. And then they, you know, all start speaking, you know, different languages, you know, Honto and Andale and Rapido and all, you know, all these other things. And, and a big ruckus is starting to happen. And people from all Jerusalem, they're coming around and they're like, whoa, this is weird. And one of the cool things is they're speaking and they can, all the people, like Jerusalem was a very cosmopolitan town that, that there's people from all over the world speaking different languages. And they're, they're like, whoa, we can hear in our own language. We can hear what they're talking about and it makes sense to us. And then some other people came and, and they're all like, dude, what are you guys doing? You're like acting like you're drunk, you know, and all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and I, I, love, I love the answer of the disciples because they're like, dude, it's like 9 a.m. We're Christians. We don't start drinking till 10, you know? I, I, mean, I mean, it's like the most bizarre. It's like, you know, if somebody came up to me at 9 a.m., you know, and said, are you drunk? I wouldn't say it's only 9 a.m. I'd say, No. But for some reason, 9 a.m., it was important to them. So, so they're going on here. They're like, no, we're not drunk. And they started asking a question, then what is going on? And this is the cool thing. Peter gives the first gospel message of the church. The first gospel message of the church. And I just want to take you through it because I think, it, I think it's so beautiful and, and, and it's awesome how it encapsulates it. And I think that as we look at this gospel, that we'll see the fullness of it. 
He says, no, we're not drunk. What you're seeing, and this is in verse 16, is what was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. So he's, he's referring to the story of Israel here to explain the Holy Spirit indwelling the New Testament believers. And Joel said in the prophecy, in the story of Israel, in the last days, I will, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, basically tell the truth, proclaim as witnesses of the truth. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. So Peter is saying, look, in the end days, the old, the old uh, law and the of, of, you know what, this is who gets to speak the truth. You have to be from the tribe of Levi and, 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 and in order to be a priest and all of these kind of stuff that, that no, you know what, in the last days, all the socioeconomic, all the, all, all the, the segregation between the sexes, all the, all the segregation between your socioeconomic level, all of these different things are going to be erased and everyone is going to be invited into the commissioning of the church to prepare for Christ's second coming. He's saying, we're not acting like we're drunk, and we're not drunk. That the Holy Spirit has come, in the, and we are entering into a new age. A new age, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile or Puerto Rican or Alaskan, or whatever, that, you know, male or female, rich or poor, educated or uneducated, can spell or, or can't spell, which is good for me, and, you know, that, that everyone is invited to participate in the kingdom of God. And then if you go down to verse 22, Peter says, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus. And then he goes through the life of Christ here. He says he publicly endorsed Jesus by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what, was, what would happen. God knew what was going to happen in the life of Christ. And he prearranged, in this prearranged plan he carried out when Jesus was betrayed with a kiss. And with the help of the lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. He's getting a little personal, right? I mean, he's like, you, you did this. You nailed him to a cross and you crucified him. Now they got He's got their attention. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep his grip. The resurrection. And then he goes back and he reconnects all this with the story of Israel. He says, King David, David said, King Diva, Diva, David. 
was not a diva. I say today, King David was not a diva. Verse 33, now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven as God's right hand. You see the connection that's going on? They just saw Christ ascend into heaven, and he's coming back and saying, King David talked about this as he ascended, as the Father promised. He gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, as you can see as we're speaking in tongues and performing miracles, just as you see here today, the day of the church has begun. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, sit at the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. And Paul kind of unpacks this a little bit about the, the coming that, that there will be a point of time when Christ comes back and returns. And Paul writes it this way in Romans 14. And he's, he's actually quoting Isaiah chapter 49. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me. Every tongue will confess and give praise to God. And then Peter comes and he says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Again, he uses the, the Hebrew word Messiah, not the Greek word Christ. He uses the word Messiah to reemphasize the connection that, that Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Son of God, is the fulfillment of the story of Israel. And he is your Savior and he is our Lord our leader. He is the true power in life. And after he presented this gospel message, taking him through the story of Israel, life of Christ, the church, and then looking forward to the hope of Christ's second coming, the Bible says that their hearts were pierced with this truth. And they said, what can we do? What can we do to make it right? And this is what Peter said. He said, each of you must repent of your sins. So basically, ask for forgiveness for what you've done. Ask for forgiveness for the times that you have elevated your, your own ambitions and wants over God's perfect vision for your life. He says, then turn to God. This is more of an active sense of the repentance, then turning and, and relentlessly pursuing who God wants you to be in the future. And then the third thing, he says, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then he says something interesting. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to just kind of open up kind of a, an area of grace here. 
okay? And what I'm, the statement I'm about to make uh, is where I am at this very moment. Next week, I might be somewhere else on this. But right now, I speak, I'm speaking from where I am. But, I, but honestly, just, I don't know. I don't know how all this works out, but this is, this is kind of in my reading, in my study, in my prayer, how salvation and receiving the Holy Spirit and living out the rich and abundant life, how this all works together. And, it, and basically taking this is, you know what, salvation, seeing Christ as the Messiah, the Christ, you know, this idea of, of, of being in infinite love for eternity. That, that this, this was done and, and offered to us by Christ. That this, sal- this salvation, that, that Christ died for our sins on the cross. And he conquered sin and he conquered death by the resurrection. And yes, that, that is the saving atonement that, that those of us, you know, have have hopefully those of us who are Christians that, that, that we have not only agreed to that, but we have received that, that free gift. But here, here's the issue that, 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 I, that I struggle with as a pastor, as a person, as a follower of Christ. That, that not everyone is experiencing what Christ calls this rich and satisfying life, this abundant life. Not everyone is filled with the Spirit. And I wonder what the gap is. And I wonder if Peter is giving us a clue here. He's repent from your sins and turn to God. But this this idea, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and be forgiven for your sins. Maybe there's a clue there that, 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 you know what, salvation and rich and abundance and a full life aren't necessarily the exact same thing. That, that perhaps when Jesus said, go and make disciples, and we hear, go and make people decide, is not the right interpretation. Perhaps this rich and abundant life comes from living in the resurrection and dying to self each and every day and being a student, being a fully devoted follower of Christ. And for those of us who have begun this journey, that baptism is part of that. And theologically speaking, where I, where I am right now, that, that you know what, baptism doesn't save you, but baptism is definitely an act of obedience and discipleship that God asked us to do. And I think a lot of times we, we look past that and say, God, why, why aren't I experiencing this rich and abundant life? And we have to backtrack and say, have you done the things that I've asked you to do? And maybe the receiving of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, is being held on a leash because we just refuse to take these discipleship steps, these followership steps. 
So in verse 39, he continues, this promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles. All who have been called by God are Lord. Now, I love this next sentence. Luke is writing this. So he's listening to this sermon. Then Luke writes this. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. <laughs> I, like in, in my mind, that gospel presentation, that's like three messages, right? You know, I mean, it's like, man, he was just getting warmed up. And, and according to Luke, he's like, then he went on and on and on. And then he goes, basically, I'm going to sum it up for you. He said something about save yourself from this crooked generation. All right. But it took him like hours to say that. But I got it for you guys. And then verse 41, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. That's a lot of name tags. I mean, just like thinking about that, they were all meeting in one place, day one. Day two, by the end of day two, the church was unleashed. They were spreading. They were growing. And that is how the church began. And I just want to leave you with this one question. They said here, those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to their number. And I want to ask you, do you believe what Peter said? Do you believe that Christ is the fulfillment of the story of Israel? Do you believe that, that Christ died for the world's sins and your sins? Do you believe that he conquered death and was raised again? Do you believe that he has commissioned the church to be actively living out this truth today? And do you believe that he is going to come again? Do you believe what he says? And maybe today is the day that you begin that journey. Because God is a God of invitation. And that's why the church is here. Is to be the agents of invitation to this lost and hurting world. But there will be a time when all of the story of Israel will come to com completion. And the kingdom of God will be here. And it is my prayer that our church will be inviting people to be part of that kingdom so we will be eternal friends with one another and to be able to transplant our church to be part of the larger church and continue for eternity to praise God. But also knowing that, you know what, it's not about a transaction that happened here but also we have been called to a purpose. And maybe what you are believing today is that you've been called to something more, that, that, that Christ did offer this rich and abundant life, and maybe you've heard the invitation to receive the Holy Spirit through a discipleship process. 
And maybe that begins with you next week being baptized. Maybe that begins today by just getting involved with a growth group or something like that. But we are all ambassadors of Christ. And we are part of the story and we are here. But someday, infinite love will arrive. And we will either sing God's praises or weep for those who did not accept the invitation. You guys pray with me. Dear God, just uh, thank you for this time. Thank you for your story. God, thank you uh, for the book of Acts and just the birth of your church, which we are part of. God, I just pray that we will not be the frozen chosen, that we will not be the decided, but we will be the discipled. That we will be discipled and teach, be taught and teach that that. holistically love you and love others as ourself. In your strong name, Jesus. Amen.